0: Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is episode number 380, and our guest is one of you, a listener of this show. His name is Taylor. He is from Texas, and he went to Idaho this past fall on his first elk hunt. He first joined us on episode number 358, where we chatted with Taylor before this hunt, and now we're speaking with him today after the hunt. To hear how it went, the lessons that he learned, and much more. There are some great, great takeaways from this episode that I know if you listen to and implement can truly make a difference on future hunts for you. And so I'm excited to share this episode and Taylor's story with you today. If you're hearing this episode as it is released in December of 2022, you may have already heard, but we're doing a great giveaway through the podcast and Exo Mountain Gear and we're giving away over $10,000 worth of gear and prizes from 20-plus great independent companies. You can get all the details by going to exomountaingear.com forward slash giveaway, or you can find that link in the show description as well. So be sure to head over and check that out if you're interested. Hit pause. You can do that right now. Come on back. Let's get into this conversation with Taylor. (music) Taylor. Taylor it's uh good to catch up man I'm excited to be on here with you and hear the after story uh, of your Idaho hunt um like most of these after the hunt stories I've been going on to with listeners we haven't chatted like I have no idea what happened so I'm right there with the listener of getting to find out everything um with your experience but you know I've been trying to start these with What happened between you and I talking for the first time, which I think for you and I was late July, and then your hunt in September. So that gap there, like one thing to me that's notable is there was, I think, at least a half dozen podcast listeners that reached out to us via email um, after hearing your story and wanted to get in contact with you either to share some information. I think there's a couple guys who are like saying, Hey, if he's going solo and is looking for a partner, I'd be down to go. So I know that I was forwarding you emails, but talk maybe a little bit about that or anything else, like kind of between the pre hunt planning, you know, that happened after we talked the first time.
1: Yeah, man. So I was, I was amazed at how many people you forwarded me their emails and they're like, Hey man, I got some information for you. If you want to go out there, one guy even lived kind of close to where I was hunting and I've still been texting him even after the hunt. But, um, one cool thing, one of my friends that I had invited before, like right, maybe January, I think said, uh, he listened to the podcast and he checked his work schedule and he had this big training thing that was going to prevent him from going and it actually got moved. So he ended up saying, Hey dude, I'm coming with you. I'm like, really? All right, cool. And so, but that was like a month before, three weeks before we were leaving. So he had to get into shape in three weeks, and he had to make sure his bow was tuned and everything, which he got it all done, and he didn't even slow me down. So that was a lot of fun. Um, another guy here, in the, here in the Houston area, we met up, and he already had a hunt planned, but we met up and grabbed a beer and talked about talked about the trips. And he went on a trip in, I think, Colorado last year, and um, had a pretty good time. And we're supposed to be catching up here pretty soon for his last trip in Colorado, but I just couldn't believe how many people were willing to just like, Hey man, if you need any help or any questions, reach out. And dude, I reached out to all of them and it was great. I did not expect that at all.
0: Yeah. That's super cool. It's uh, glad the podcast and help play matchmaker a little bit. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 And everybody was super nice and very willing to help. And it was pretty awesome. I, it caught me completely by surprise.
0: Yeah. So your buddy that decided to tag along, his schedule changed. You said getting in shape and then also tuning a bow. Was he able to pick up any sort of tag, or was he just kind of going along for the experience?
1: So, so essentially, he wanted to go along for the experience. But I told him, dude, a bear tag isn't very expensive. If you just want to grab a bear tag and if we end up seeing one or getting close to one, take it. And so he ended up getting a bear tag, which we didn't fill. But um, he was there for mostly the experience, and I'm and the Hindsight's 2020 i'm glad that he came because doing a solo would have been extremely hard
0: (laughs) yeah the original time that you and i chatted and we talked about this on the the prior podcast but you were originally planning on going like solo 10 days and recurve which was like holy cow this is (laughs) this is quite the endeavor and then you did change to compound um so you had that going was there anything else that you changed maybe since we talked, whether that was just like location, strategy, gear, like anything like that, that, you know, in those, those weeks leading up to the hunt, you kind of reconsidered and made any changes again, whether that was in game plan or logistics or what have you.
1: Yeah. So definitely. Um, one of the guys that I've that reached out to that you got me in contact with lived up there. And, um, one of the spots that I had picked out, I, I texted him the location on Onyx or something like that. And he was familiar with the area. He said, dude, you can't get there because there's wildfires. And that was one thing I really didn't take into account in the whole e-scouting thing. And I guess learned that the benefit of just going up there and putting boots on the ground before your hunt, how important that is. And man, we switched spots from the original spot that I wanted to go to probably three times before I found a spot that we were away from wildfires. And I mean, I'm from Houston. I don't even think about wildfires at all. And to get up there and to see all that and it was, it was a little bit, not really, really frustrating. Just like, oh man, it's unexpected. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the main change that we really had. Um, probably, yeah, that and then having the partner.
0: Did having your buddy come along, change your approach to the hunt? Were you guys planning on setting up a base camp? or you planning on backpacking in? Did, did him joining change the plan at all in that regard?
1: no he was completely ready to just let's go backpack and we'll pack in four days of food and come out when we're done and that's that which was cool He he's on the same page with that um, that was perfect
0: that's great man well cool we'll take us right into it what's um what week of september were you hunting
1: uh i think we left houston on september 15th so we hunted the last two weeks okay um so the first spot that we actually chose that was away from the wildfires, I'm looking on the onyx map, I'm like, okay, it's not super steep and doesn't look like it's extremely vegetated. So we should be able to get through it. And we pull up and we park the truck. And um, I think my pack, so I don't know what I did. And this was a definite learning experience. My pack, I think, was 48 to 50 pounds after everything, all the food was in it. And I learned that I packed way too much food and that was a lot of weight with your water. I had the big I think I had a three liter uh camel back and had another canteen with me and it was just it was a lot of weight, which I was okay with a lot of weight, but when we stopped at that spot and we looked down the hill where we were gonna walk down and then kinda follow this river to a spot, it was so thick. I mean you couldn't even see two feet in front of you. I and mean, so we just looked at each other and said, Well let's just go and we we Strapped our bows onto the back of our pack, and as we're walking down, we get about halfway down, and my buddy looks up. He's like, "Dude, this sucks." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." But as soon as we get down to the bottom, we can just keep going and follow the river; it'll be fine. And uh, he turns around. And I look at his bow, and all of his arrows that were on his quiver are gone. And I'm like, "Dude, where's your arrows? Did you leave them at the truck?" And he says, "No, I had them on there." And then so he turned around, and looked at my bow. And all of my arrows were stripped off the quiver because it was so thick, and we fell down a couple of times going down this hill. So we ended up having to crawl back up that hill to find our arrows. We found all of them but one, which was very fortunate. Were <laughs> they I didn't bring extra broad heads.
0: Were they pretty close together? Where you found the arrows? Like, did they all seem to kind of come out at once?
1: No, they were spread out. I mean, we uh-huh. tried to retrace our our foot steps all the way back up, and it was just it was like, oh man, and that was within the first hour of being there I'm like okay that sucks
0: <laughs> wow so we get
1: back up to, yeah we get and back up to like, the top of the hill
0: that's dangerous too having all these arrows with broadheads like loose um dangerous for you guys trying to find them or anyone who came across those
1: for sure and what's funny about that is my buddy the first one of his that he found he said I just was looking down and the, and the broadhead was staring me right in the eyes and are I think he uses the iron wheel broadheads like I was using and they're razor sharp. So, I mean, you just, that's just a recipe for disaster, but we were pretty cautious crawling back up and we found all of our arrows, except for one of mine, which I was fine with. I still had a few broadheads with me and I had to bring the extras, but I found all of mine, but one
0: to camp on that for just a second, were you guys using the same type of quiver and was it adjustable at all? Or like tension on the arrows
1: no mine isn't so i my, i got the one for the matthews bow and he delivers there's no tension on it at all and his is a similar he has a, a Bowtech bow and his is very similar to mine and i, I don't i didn't was something i didn't even think about and i guess i should have when i strapped the pack on or my bow onto the pack i should have taken a strap across the arrows and i, I didn't think it was going to be an issue and found out real quick that it was
0: were you shooting pretty thin, like, diameter arrows as well? Do you know?
1: Yeah, five millimeters.
0: Five mil, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely run into that with, the like, the non-adjustable quivers. Um, a lot of those are built for more called traditional um, arrow sizes. And so you get into those m- more modern micro shafts, like, whether it's five mil or even, obviously, there's some that are four mil. And uh, right. if you don't have that adjustability, it may feel fine when you're just, like, hanging out shooting put the arrow in it's like yeah it's there it's secure but it's not as secure as it could be so that's that's something i right. personally i haven't lost arrows but i've definitely noticed over the years and switching to micro diameter arrows like something like a tight spot quiver i use you can dial in the tension to for grip um and it definitely makes a world of difference
1: okay well that's that's good to know i didn't even I just went to the bow shop to hand a quiver, and that's the one they gave me i didn't know that there was even adjustable one so yeah that would be good for next year <laughs>
0: yeah yeah cool well that's a crazy way to start in the first hour
1: yeah so we uh we start crawling back up that hill and we get to the top where my last arrow was my, i guess my last arrow fell up right at the top and we're like dude do you want to go back down there do you want to see if we can go for, we can drive further down the hill and see if we can find a, a little bit smoother of a path and um so we drive that's what we ended up doing we drove down the hill found a smoother path and i think we got in about four miles and I think we probably gained 24 to 2,600 feet, according to what my watch was telling me. It was a fun hike. My buddy ate a big peak refill meal right before we started. And we get halfway up there. he so I think I'm going to throw up that meal.
0: <laughs> I'm like, why
1: did you eat? All-? He ate the whole thing. It was two servings. I'm like, dude, why did you eat that entire meal before we're going to do this tough hike? And uh, he said, dude, I think about it? I was hungry. And so that was pretty funny. But we made it up that hill, set up camp. And awesome. It was a cool little campsite that we've chosen overlooking this big valley. It was beautiful. And, um, I slept instantly.
0: <laughs> you, you did what instantly?
1: I I passed out instantly. It's oh, got my okay. camp set up. Yeah. Yeah. I just passed out cause I was tired, but, um, one thing I did notice is all my training with my pack and everything. I, um, my legs weren't super sore. I was, I was kind of happy with that. Um, the elevation, mess with me a little bit but not not too bad uh the biggest thing is when you told me on the previous podcast that we did to go find a hill and walk up and down the hill so i ended up doing that and trying to do side hilling. but what i didn't do was walking straight up the hill and my boots that i had just instantly destroyed my heels so day one i'm like oh man this sucks um, my heels were just rubbed raw so i think i need new boots too because the boots were not they, that's not going to do for next time.
0: So you're experiencing this the first day. How did you take care of that and kind of manage that through the hunt?
1: So my buddy, his, when his wife told him that, or when he told his wife that we were going, she's like, okay, well I'm going to pack you a safety kit. And he's got all these kind of certifications from all the plants that he works in and medical certifications. So him and his wife like made this big medical kit that we carried. And he wrapped, I wrapped my feet up in gauze and um, what is it? Like a, a sticky wrap? I don't even know what it's called. And wrapped my heels up and put my socks back on and my boots back on and I was fine. But that 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 wasn't too bad. But just the first initial time, it's like, oh man, this is this is bad. I don't want my feet to be done the first day. And so that's what we did, and it, it helped.
0: You got it to the point where it's manageable enough to keep hunting and and not kill you.
1: Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, it didn't. It didn't hinder me that much throughout the rest of the trip
0: that first night you guys are packed in, you said you passed out quick. Did you happen to like hear any bugles at night, anything like that? How, what did you wake up to?
1: No, so I woke up, I wanna say probably, I mean, we set up camp right at dark, which I don't even know what time it was. I think I got probably six hours of sleep and I woke up and it was still dark and I heard something kind of moving in the brush. So I jumped up, I in my boxers and I grabbed my bow. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world is that? And I walk up the hill. I don't see anything, but no, we didn't hear any bugles. I don't think anything even came near our camp because we were just right on the side of this hill. Um, but I didn't hear any bugles. Actually, we didn't hear bugles the entire trip, which was kind of strange. Okay. Every night that we slept out there all day, and I brought a bugle, had a Phelps Easy Bugler, so you don't have to use a reed. And I think it sounded okay, so I'd blow some bugles, Never, never got one back never heard a bugle which was a little bit frustrating but it is what it is i guess that's hunting right
0: yeah and this was like thicker country too right like cover wise this was pretty thick
1: so this first spot i have a, i have a funny picture that i posted on my instagram and it was uh i, I was walking through we called them land lilies because they look like lily pads and they were as tall as i was and so i'm just walking through it and you see just my head and my buddy took a picture and it's like yeah this is what we were walking through <laughs> yeah and it, it was super thick but we didn't i didn't really see any signs of oh we saw a few tracks we we did see a few a few mule deer so i'm like okay, hey, well there's animals here and it was pretty damp where we were the first time so i'm like there, there's water here everything everything seems like it makes sense for animals to be here just there we didn't we didn't see anything it, I, I don't know if because it was too thick or if the elk don't like all that super thick stuff uh, i don't know but we saw some mule deer. So I figured if there's mule deer there, there has to be out there. Do
0: you feel like you were seeing sign otherwise, like whether that's tracks or scat, whether it was fresh or older, um, like that you're seeing signs of, okay, animals, maybe not, maybe we're not seeing animals at this moment, but they either have been here or potentially are here based on the freshness of any sign.
1: We did see some tracks, but the tracks seemed to be pretty old and I didn't see any rubs on any of the trees. Um, we did see a little bit of bear scat and another stuff that we made. And, um, but it was, I mean, it was probably, he was, my buddy was saying that that's probably 30 days old, which was a little bit disconcerting, but yeah, we didn't really see any fresh scat. We did see in another spot that we were in, we did see some fresh elk tracks, which we got pretty pumped about. And so we sat in that area. We hunted that area for two days and didn't see a single animal. I don't know if they were just passing through going to somewhere else or, and the wildfire thing was pretty clear too because there's a couple of spots that we were at where we just look out and uh, we were glassing and there's smoke. And it's like, man, it's like you just can't get away from it. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that affected the animals as much as, as I'm thinking it did, or I would assume so because they're not going to want to be there where their entire habitat's being burned up. I don't, uh, It was just that was a big thing I think that really got me the most is all the fires.
0: So this first day, you guys are obviously just kinda of learning the area It's so the game plan just to just to cover ground really.
1: Mm-hmm. We covered the ground and um set up the camp and bugles, we glassed, and we glass for hours. Then uh we get up we wake up and tear down the camp and we decide to crawl back down the hill and we're going down the hill and see if we see any signs of animals and we didn't. So we up and moved to a different spot and uh what was that other spot we went to? It was, we gained some elevation and it was a lot of downfall which was the next spot that we went to and everywhere. I mean, there's trees down everywhere. So that was another part of the train it was like, okay, hiking just on ground is one thing, but then you're crawling all over all these dead trees and that really put a pretty good hurting on me, but it wasn't too terrible. Um, but I've seen people kill elk in areas like that. And it's like, okay, well they're probably here. Yeah. The second spot was a little bit completely different from where we were. But we made it down the hill, it didn't take us too long, and we decided, let's go try somewhere else, because we didn't even hear a bugle or anything, and that's how we ended up just moving to a different spot. So
0: you you decided to pull the plug on this area after essentially two days, like the day you packed in, camped in overnight, and then hunt there one day, and at the end of that, you're deciding to pull the plug.
1: Right. Yeah, and then another part of that, that first spot, like right when we were on that camp, there's this big hill that we were side hilling and uh there's a tree that we're walking around and my buddy gets past the tree and then I start getting past the tree and uh my, my pack got hooked on the tree and my feet slipped and I fell I fell down this hill and it was probably if I wouldn't have caught myself from falling, it probably would have been a really bad day. And like we had to put we would have had to push the S O S button on the on the uh, on the in reach and <laughs> that kinda of did it in for my buddy and that's why I said, Bro, we're too high up and this is too kind of this is this is a sketchy little path that we're trying to take, and I'm like no, dude, let's just go, let's keep going. That's that's our that's our mulligan. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but it was pretty pretty wild, and so we were like, okay, let's try something else.
0: Gotcha. I mean, that's. I think there, you know, there's always like a a combination of giving an area of time, like staying patient, making sure that you kind of have understood the area and you aren't giving up too quick but if i had to guess more more often than not hunters with less experience whether that's with a species or an area or what have you i'm not saying that they're inexperienced hunters as a whole but you go into a new spot maybe hunting a new species and you're probably prone to commit to this plan that you made and not be willing enough to pull stakes and get out of there when it doesn't seem like sign is good or you're not seeing things, et cetera. Like, and you don't base that off one thing. So just because you guys were in there and didn't hear a bugle for two days doesn't mean you need to leave. But the fact that, okay, I'm not hearing bugles we're not seeing any fresh sign. This isn't super huntable country, etc. cetera. Um, it sounds like a, it was a, a good move that you were willing to that quick assess the situation And for many reasons like put this picture together of go yeah i think we i think we should get out of here and try the next area
1: i i I, you're right but i I think about it going back like man i think i could have, i wish we could have got one more day in that spot just gone a little bit further because i think we were only i want to say between three and four miles out and i'm like man if we can just get a little bit further out and maybe it clears up on the other side of this ridge and we didn't check it so Part of me is like, man, I wish we could have gone back and just checked that one. one could have gone a little bit further, but hindsight's twenty twenty, and it is what it is at this point. But I guess I think for next time, I'm going to just try one more day from that initial day, and like, let's just move, just go one more day, and and see what it does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to saying yeah, because really, the the first day, it sounds like you guys really just kind of got in there. So you're talking two to right. three days. Um, Yeah. I don't think that's unreasonable by any means. What was it logistically like to the second area that you're now planning to move to? Was that a tough move, an easy move, like everything from packing out to then getting back in the truck and the drive and all that, like what type of commitment was involved to move to this new area?
1: So it's funny how you're asking that. So (laughs) We we hike back down, and of course the hike back down is easier than the hike back up. And uh, we get down to the bottom, and there's this river, the kind of creek, and it's beautiful. And at home, what I did to try to get ready for the cold, I have a, a ice bath in my garage, so I would do ice baths every day to try to get used to the cold. And we get down to that hill, and I'm like, man, I'm kind of sore. I'm gonna jump in this creek real quick. And I jump in the creek, and I look over, and there's these red fish swimming in the creek. I'm like, what in the hell are these red fish? And I think about it, and i like, dude, those are salmon. And I'm like, holy crap, there's salmon swimming right next to where I am. And I'm like, I didn't even think they were going to be here. And so I get on my phone, I'm like, I'm crazy. I didn't really see salmon. And then I Googled the creek I was in and sure enough, there's salmon in that creek. And so that was a really cool experience. And um, so that brought my spirits up for some weird reason, I guess, because I had never seen salmon in the wild and here I am swimming right next to them. And, um, but we hike back out and get in the truck and I find on my Onyx map, the next place I wanted to go. And so, there's no service out there, which was good and bad at the same time. But we went to REI on the way back up on the way to the first spot. I think we stopped in Bozeman on the way there and went to an REI and they had this Idaho map that was $3. And I'm like, dude, that's probably the best $3 we'll ever spend. So I bought the map and then it saved us because we didn't have any service. And, um, so we like, okay, well, let's take this road and it'll get us to our spot and probably take three hours. Okay. That didn't happen. It took, eight and a half hours to get from the first spot that we were. And it took us down this road that said off-road vehicles only. We were in my buddy's truck, which was, wasn't a big deal. And I'm like, okay, I mean, how bad can it be? And oh my God, it was probably, a, our truck was too wide for the trail most of the time. So my buddy's truck got scratched up all the way from the front headlights to the back tail light. And we're driving up on these ridges. And while we we're on these ridges, we're doing a lot of glassing and looking for, for animals, but, It took us eight and a half hours to get to the next spot. And it was just, that was, that was insane. We did not expect that. So that ate up most of that day and a little bit frustrating. So,
0: Yeah. Wow. And you, you expected it was going to be three is what you thought in your head.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause we didn't realize it was going to be in the, the entire road was just a gravel road. We thought it was a highway cause it said state highway on the map. And it's like, well, this isn't a state highway. We saw quite a few hunters on that road. Funny enough. And uh, we stopped and talked to quite a few of them. And they're like, we're like, hey, man, how many, how long, how much longer is this road to so the end of it? He said, oh, yeah, it's about three hours, four hours. And it's like, dude, that was like two hours ago. And <laughs> it just, and then we talked to him about hunting and nobody had seen anything around there. A lot of, there's a lot of hunters back through there, though. A lot of hunters, probably six or seven of them.
0: Did it seem like any of those hunters were hunting off the road? And I don't necessarily just mean like. Glassing from the road, you guys mentioned that, but like maybe just pulled over on this road and kind of maybe day hunting from there or what have you.
1: That's what it seemed like. There's a couple RVs, they're not RVs, they're like travel trailers that are parked up and down that road um, in spots that you can get to, and that, that's what it seemed like they were doing. Was just, I don't know for sure, but that's what they seemed like they were doing. One guy that I did talk to, um, who's actually hunting the unit that you reached out that you got me to reach out to he was he was backpack hunting four or five miles out i think is what he said uh, but he was the only one that i had talked to that was really going out there and not hunting from the road but it seemed like most of those guys were hunting from the road
0: this second spot that you're headed to what what made you drop the pin there why were you headed to that spot
1: it looked like on the onyx maps there was water pretty close to where we were or where that spot was so i'm like okay well there's water and it seems like it's a little bit more cleared out so we should be able to hunt it and we should be able to glass. And and it looks a little bit more cleared out. A couple pastures, a lot of downfall. And so the downfall, we thought, okay, well, how old is the downfall? There might be some new growth there that maybe if we don't stand out, there might be a bear eating on something that we can get one of those as well. And um, so that, that's, I guess that's why I chose that spot.
0: You guys are on this road for eight hours and you're driving through country. As you said, it's not a highway, mm-hmm. it's not paved. So there's not much pressure, whether that's from hunters like you said you're seeing some yes but what i mean is it's not a highly trafficked traveled road do you ever did you guys ever consider like man we're on this road we're passing and driving by all this country maybe we should just stop here and hunt like just day hunt or what have you or are you just kind of soul focused on getting to this next spot
1: we were pretty focused on getting to the next spot but honestly when i got to that next spot i was like man i mean we kind of we drove through a lot of country i don't know why we just didn't hunt it yeah i I didn't think of it in the moment, but when we got to the next spot, I thought about it. to the best we had to, but there's a lot of hunters there, so I'm like, ah. Looking back on it, we probably should have stayed in a couple of those spots because we got down at the bottom of this of this these two big, uh, I don't know, big hills, and it's real pretty through there, and there's a lot of pastures. Like, man, this looks like a great spot for animals to be, and there's an airstrip down there too, but which was kind of cool. I didn't know if the airstrip would scare animals away or anything, but. It, some part of me is like, man, we should probably have hunted that area a little bit more or stopped in that area and hunted it, but we didn't do it. Pretty focused on getting that next spot.
0: What, um, that's and asking these questions, I'm trying to like question all your decisions, but I'm trying to draw out because yeah, yeah. I've been there, done that, and trying to relate to listeners. When you get something in your head and you get solely focused on that, obviously, sometimes you just lose the ability to see maybe what's right in front of you. Cause you're looking ahead to like, oh, this was the plan we made. We said we were going to go to this spot and yes, it's taking longer, what have you. But sometimes if you're, if you're not so zoned in on one thing, you're much more open-minded and can see other opportunities that you quite literally in this case may be passing by. And I'm not saying that that was the case for you guys. I just, I'm trying to draw that lesson out because I've done that myself. And I know that other folks listening to this could fall into that trap, if you will.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And and again, looking back on, it, it's like, man, we this was a lot of country, and we were moving because we did to get to a different spot that was a little more open. And the places that we were going through it was fairly open. It was like, man, why didn't we just stop? <laughs> but like you said, you get focused on one thing. We're both pretty headstrong people, so we were like, oh, this is what we're gonna do, so we're gonna do it. And Maybe to a fault
0: <laughs> no, i'm I'm the same way. I think that's why I'm kind of like sensitive to that idea because i'm I'm right there with you guys. Cool. So how did like you guys arrive? You know, it sounds like obviously that whole day was essentially travel. Did you pack in that evening? Did you just kind of camp at the truck? Like what type of time did you have once you actually got to the second spot?
1: At that second spot, we decided to camp pretty much pretty close to the truck and we didn't we didn't want to pack in all of our stuff every single day that we went so for the next few days at that spot we um we just hiked from the truck so we would get out probably two two and a half miles out past from our truck and that's the area that we hunted for the rest of the trip we ended up having to cut the trip in half just because we didn't see any animals and unfortunately i think we let our minds get to us and it was like man this sucks we haven't seen anything we haven't even heard anything and We ended up packing up after I think five and a half days instead of 10. And I was going to fly back out when we got back, but it just got too expensive because on the way back, like, man, we just, we cut it too early. And, um, but that second spot, we were hiking through and we saw a lot more tracks in that spot. We saw a lot more scat in that spot. And me and my buddy were kind of getting kind of giddy like, Oh dude, this might be it. We might be able to see some animals here. And, We would, I mean, we sat on, I sat on this big rock on the top of this hill for probably three hours, just bugling and and looking, bugling and looking and nothing got back and didn't see any movement anywhere on any hill. I'm like, okay, that's all right. And that's hunting. You spend hours, you don't see anything, but it only takes five minutes for something to change. And so we just kept waiting for that change. We get up in the morning. We found this cool spot where the saddle was. I'm like, okay, well, on the other side of the saddle, there's water. On the other side, it's not super steep. So this looks like a pretty good area where animals are crossing through. So what we did is we sat on that, on that saddle a couple of times and just waited for animals to come by in the morning and the evening. And the only thing that we saw were squirrels and chipmunks. And it was like, man, I think I had the right idea of like, let's, let's camp the saddle out and see if we see anything. But I don't know. Just didn't see anything. Yeah. No movement.
0: No, I mean it doesn't sound like it's a a bad spot. If you if you see a saddle that makes sense as a travel corridor, and especially if you compare that with some sign, I think sitting on that's not necessarily bad. I will say that again. One thing I've noticed for me personally is, um, like getting to what you know, and we'll talk about this, but like you guys pulling the plug early, right? The that whole that mindset. And talking yourself into this sucks, we're not seeing animals, blah, 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 and like letting those seeds of doubt kind of sprout and grow into something is much easier to do when you're inactive. And so, again, I'm not like oh, saying you did yeah. this wrong, but what I'll say is if you were just like, okay, the strategy right now is let's sit and watch. And sometimes that's sitting in a saddle, sometimes that's sitting in a glass scene, maybe you're sitting in a water hole, maybe it's a late season hunt and the whole strategy is to sit in glass. I'll just Mm -hmm. say in general that when your body's not active, your mind is more active in a way. And when your mind is like more active towards the negative, it's much easier to like get down or talk yourself into stuff. Or sometimes I've just noticed for me personally, it's like this may suck. And I'm having those questions and I'm having those doubts and I don't know what to do. And I'm not saying this is the right like hunting strategy move, but from a a mental aspect. Sometimes I just have to get my body moving. Like I need to do something, try something, go somewhere. uh, Cause it, the body starts working the mind starts to quiet. And I'm thinking much less about those negative thoughts at times.
1: For sure. And and I noticed that in my life at home and I don't, there's just, I don't know, man, I guess it was in a new environment and I was a little, I was pretty disappointed in myself. I had a couple of group chats going with my dad, my uncle who are, who used to be pretty avid hunters back in the day. And, I'm like, dude, I feel like I gave up too soon. And like, no, dude, it's okay. It's your first trip, and I'm sure you learned a lot, which, man, I, I learned so much. It's so much better to go out there and do it and learn from the experience than just reading books or watching videos or listening to podcasts. And I, the amount of knowledge that I gained from it is going to help me on my next trip. So uh, I don't regret every, all of it. I just regret leaving a little bit early. But it's still a learning experience.
0: Yeah. And man, like it's not unique. You, I I want to say you have to go through it. I think most people have to go through it. Like most people to stick in it when it's tough. Most people have had to have tasted not sticking with it before, because now right. next time you're like, this may suck, but I know that leaving early sucks worse. Right. And so now you're like choosing 100%. the lesser of two evils. And if you haven't gone through that, it's much harder to make that decision.
1: And the thing is, I mean, I, I keep saying, man, this sucks. This sucks. But at, at the end of the day, I mean, don't get me wrong. The thing that sucks was just not seeing the animals. Yes. And, and just being frustrated, not being able to accomplish what I set out to do, which again, my whole goal, I mean, of course the goal is to, to fill my tag and to bring me home. But the, the, another goal of mine was to learn and, and to go out there and experience this. And man, it was the most, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And it was it was incredible so i mean at the same time while it was sucking i was still having a great time and it it only made me more hungry for the next trip so yeah and and it's like man okay i learned a lot i need to figure out how Steve packs his pack because it seems like he's got it down because my pack was not packed very well and it was heavy and it's lumpy and i'm like oh this sucks
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that dude that's a great point too when the hunting may suck and that's what's negative find something to be positive about and sometimes that's just being out there i mean that was very much the right. case for me if um you or if anybody listened to this heard like us talk about our rifle elk hunt this year the hunting was terrible um mm-hmm. like terrible terrible and you know get on day six of that and part of me is like oh man the hunting sucks the condition sucks you know, I have all the excuses in the world why this is not going to work. And I hadn't given up, but I'm just like being real. But at the same time, right? that was like 10% of where my head was, maybe. The other 90% was, I'm in the mountains. I am hunting elk. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen at any time. Like, yes, this weather is theoretically terrible for hunting, but on one hand, it's like gorgeous to be out here. This is cool country with a good friend. Like you have to not stay in the negative and just zoom out, see the big picture and look at all the positive. And I truly came out of that trip and it was like some of the worst, quote unquote, elk hunting I've had. But man, that was such a fun trip. Great time. Like I was bummed when it was over, not only because I didn't fill my tag, but because I don't want this experience to be over. I don't want to leave the mountains. Right. You know? I want another night out here type thing. And part of that just comes with, one, choosing that mindset, but two, like the experience of realizing how, uh, how important it is to soak up those moments while you have them. Cause you get home and then that's all you want to do is get back out
1: there, man. And, and that, that statement is as true as anything. Cause on the way back, I was like, guilt was kind of hit me like, man, I left early. I shouldn't have left early. I was like, I was like, I I'd always say in my mind. I was like, I don't want to be a bitch in my mind. So I got to make sure that I conquer my inner bitch. Yeah. And so on the way back, it's like, dude, you're a bitch. Why'd you leave early? And so <laughs> I'm on my phone. Like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fly to Boise when I get home and I'm going to finish this trip. <laughs> and in order to fly up there and to get a rental car to go where I was going, it's going to cost me like $2,000. I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to make sense to fly up there for another five days. Right. And I was like, man, I just got to throw in the towel and next year... I learned so much from this trip for next trip that I feel much more confident my next trip.
0: Yep. And as you said before, man, like just to reiterate, none of what you experienced could you have tangibly had by just reading, watching, listening, etc. Like you can like someone right now who's not experienced this can hear us talk about it and it's it's good for them to hear. But until right. you've lived it and felt it, it's just not the same. So yeah, I right. mean, you got so much from an experience perspective that's going to be so helpful to you in the future.
1: And my buddy on the way back, he kept saying, I said, dude, I get it. He said, we could have stayed longer, but, but he said, look at the bright side. At least you got this one out of the way and you know for next time what, what you need to do. And we learned a lot. We learned about our gear. He said, dude, it wasn't a failure of a trip. We said, we didn't fill our tag and we left early, but it still wasn't a failure of a trip. You learn more now than you've ever learned in the past, just on this one trip. I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's a good way to look at it. So that that helped a lot.
0: So besides that that learning of not giving up and this whole mindset, like everything we've been talking about here for a few minutes, like what are some of the other takeaways for
1: you? So another one, man, (laughs) sleep deprivation is not fun. And me being from Houston, dude, I can camp out nowhere, no problem out here because there's nothing that's going to get me. And I did not realize that the thoughts running through my mind when it's two in the morning and it's pitch black and I hear a crack outside my tent and me instantly thinking it's a bear was going to be so strong, but it was every single night, every single night they were out there. Other than the first night, I was just, I could not sleep because I just kept thinking about bears and what if one gets in my tent and it's like (laughs) that was just one thing i didn't expect i thought i was going to go out there like no problem yeah it's it's a bear i mean i know the statistics of me getting attacked by a bear in my tent are far lower than if i was at a campground and we did the right things we got our food far away from our campground we didn't cook in our tents or near our tents I'm like we're doing the right thing but it's still that thought and so i guess that just comes with the experience the more you go out there and you sleep out there in their environment it's easier. And with me being my first time being out there, I just, I didn't sleep <laughs> except for that first night. So that was, that was probably the hardest thing. The, the one of the, another big takeaway that I had is just relax. Don't let your mind run with your, with your thoughts and just try to sleep.
0: Yeah, for sure. Did you take anything at all to help you try and sleep?
1: No, I didn't want to take anything. Cause I didn't want to be so droggy the next day. Cause I, I'm kind of sensitive to stuff like that. If I take like Advil PM or NyQuil or something to go to sleep, I'll wake up the next day with kind of a little headache and yeah. not being able to I'll just be droggy. Like, man, it, it's just worth not being droggy to try to get maybe two, three hours of sleep and eat a good breakfast and go.
0: Yeah. I mean, some, I know I have friends who wear earplugs um, when they backpack and just to kind of, I don't think at this point they're even like quote unquote afraid of the noise. They just flat out don't want to hear the noise uh, to have mm-hmm. it wake them up. And then for other guys that hear that, and they're like, "No, I want to hear if there's a bear getting ready to eat me, right?" Like earplugs, no way.
1: <laughs> That's the thought I was thinking because I brought earplugs, and that the first night was weird because dude, I slept the entire night, and I guess because I was so tired going through all that brush and everything, and and but the rest of it is just I thought about, man, I got earplugs in my bag, I can grab them real quick, stick them in, but. And then thoughts like, no, I want to hear it because I'm a pretty good shot with my pistol, and I think I have a good chance. If something's in my tent, I'm gonna get in before he gets me, and I want to be able to hear it. <laughs> so yeah. I, I kind of get, I kind of get that mindset. But at the same time, it's like, okay, if you put your earplugs in, you just kind of space it out and pass out. And it's frustrating because I hear my buddy in his tent. He's just he's snoring all night. I'm like, dude, this guy's <laughs> sleeping no problem. I'm like this is oh god, I hate you, bro.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you ever take a, that midday nap type thing while you're out hunting?
1: No, I, I didn't. I probably could have, but I never took a midday nap.
0: Yeah. I mean, don't be afraid of that either, both if you're not sleeping at night, but going back to what we said, you know, quieting the mind, as I said, sometimes that's getting the body active. Sometimes that's, hey, it's 2 p.m. And I'm not necessarily not theoretically not hunting. Like if you're out in a good spot, maybe you wake up from that nap and hear a bugle. Um, so I would say not necessarily go back to camp and like take a nap, but out in the field, that 30 minute cat nap can do wonders for sure.
1: Right. And one cool thing that, that kind of did help me when all those times I was tired and everything, I, 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 um, I was writing a lot, which was cool. I was writing in my, in my journal on my phone and typing every day of which, what, how the day went. And I think that really helped too, Yeah. kind of keeping the mind off the, off the negative stuff and it's cool to go back and read them every once in a while. Like, man, I remember where I was right now. Like, oh, it takes me back. It's cool.
0: Yeah, that stuff's super cool. I do that, I don't say quite a bit. I try and do it. And sometimes that's like as simple as bullet points of what happened today. And sometimes it is more writing out thoughts and stuff like that. But having that to go back to is neat.
1: Yeah, I have one note in here. It says, don't let the fear win. Elk hunting is hard. <laughs> Yeah, and i've read them like, again that's that just that's that's it
0: <laughs> yep yeah put that front of mind when you go back for your next trip and remember that you know
1: absolutely absolutely cool,
0: cool man what else comes to mind any any other lessons again it could be anything really like tactics learn new areas gear etc
1: yeah I, I honestly looking back on the whole thing the I think my biggest thing that I didn't do that I should have done was get out there and go and go do scouting in person versus on, on the, on the computer. Because I think that would have saved me a lot of time with with the wildfires portion of it first and, and how to get into the certain areas that I was trying to get into. Cause I was just looking Hey man, this road right here, looks like a little opening. We could just walk right through it. And it was not like that. And I didn't expect it to not be like that. And I didn't plan for it to not be like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, this is why you go do scouting before for this reason right here, because I'm wasting a lot of time just trying to get somewhere. Whereas if I'd have just gone a month before and had these spots and these trails laid out in person, it would have saved me a lot of time and headache. And yeah. uh, So for next year, my, my dad, my dad's pretty pumped about the whole trip. He, he went and bought a bow like two weeks ago. He's like Oh man, I'm doing this with you next year. and <laughs> He's sending me That's all great. the videos. Like, I've already seen that video, dad. I've I've seen it twice <laughs> and he's watching him go through it. It's awesome. That's and so um, cool. he's like, he keeps telling me, dude, we got to go scout. And I'm like, yes, that is the one thing that you're saying that, yes, we got to go scout. And so he's on, on board with the scouting and it's yeah. Next year I'm definitely going to scout. I'm hopefully scouting a month, maybe two months before. And, um, Really get our spot played
0: out. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's another. Um, you know, we've talked so much about contacting fish and game or what have you in a state um, when you're planning a trip and going into a new area. And I think too often those conversations are focused more around like animals. Um, like, hey, is this a good hunting area? Are there elk here, et cetera, et cetera? But those are great questions to be asking fish and game or even um forest service employees like for the area that you're headed into is all those questions on logistics like that road you guys ended up taking that was you know eight hours and you thought it was me three like asking those questions like number one is this road open because there are roads that are open seasonally or closed at certain times a year and some of those can occur during hunting season like this road would have been open if I was here two weeks earlier, but right now it's closed. So that's one thing. But then the other is like, what is this road? Like here's the vehicle I'm planning on taking um, for this trip. Can I travel traverse this road in that vehicle? And then also like what type of, what type of pace, what type of speed can I expect to be on this road? So there's roads, you know, that, may not be paved and you can still go 40 and then there's roads that as you found out like maybe you're crawling maybe you're at five to ten the whole time um and getting that type of information is is as critical if sometimes not more critical than hey i'm thinking about hunting this unit or this area are there elk here type thing
1: right and that's that was my question to the fishing game because i did call them up before before we went and my questions were just centered around the animals and I didn't even think to ask them about the, the getting in and getting out and the trails. And it was funny cause we, we took my buddy's truck and it was a, a 2,500 Denali big truck and it was like yeah. <laughs> down that road we were going on. People were looking at us like we were crazy cause we were, we were crazy. We were dumb, dumb guys with Texas license plates in a place that we don't know where we're at. So, I'm sure the, they had some conversations looking at their license plates and their truck. My God, these guys are crazy.
0: It's <laughs> one thing to pinstripe a truck, it's another thing to pinstripe a Denali.
1: Yeah, no, he was very upset about that. And his wife, oh my God, his wife was mad. And um, so we got back and he figured out how to buff it all out. He said all of it came out, so it wasn't too bad. I'm like, okay, I don't That's feel good. bad.
0: It always looks worse because you always have that layer of dust on there from those roads, and then a lot of it's through yep. the dust and not necessarily too deep in the paint, so I'm glad it buffed out.
1: Yeah, that's what I was trying to tell him on the way back. I said, bro, it's probably not that bad. And in the back of my head, I'm like, dude, I think it's terrible. I don't know, I don't <laughs> know how this is going to turn out. <laughs> and then when he texted me he said, bro, I got it all out, I was like, thank God.
0: Well, that's cool, man. I feel like uh, this has been a very viable experience to share, one that I, I know is not uncommon, but I don't think it is talked about enough. And, you know, it's easy to get on and tell these podcasts about successful hunts or get, I don't know, lessons from experts or calling advice from Corey Jacobson or whatever. And I love that. But this type of episode, this story could be even more helpful for guys who are early in hunting or elk hunting or out of state hunting in particular. So thanks for sharing it, man.
1: Yeah, man, I, I thank you for having me and, and you've, you've been a big help with it. And I was looking forward to doing the, the second part of it just cause like, man, it, it was hard and I still made it through it and I have learned a, a, everything I needed really that I needed to learn on this trip. I got, so next year will be even better.
0: Well, there you have it, guys. I hope that Taylor's story has helped, informed, or inspired you. Don't forget, we got the $10,000 independent gear giveaway going on right now in December of 2022. Visit the link in the show description. You can get all the details, and you need to enter before December 23rd. Finally, if you're enjoying the show, it would help us tremendously if you could just share it with a friend or leave a rating or review in whatever podcast app you're using. If you have any questions for us, feel free to reach out directly. Email is podcast at exomountaingear.com. Or you can also ask us a question for a future Q&A episode by looking for the link in the show description that says leave us a message. It'd be great to hear from you. We'll talk to you soon.